Hello, I'm Reggie Young. I'm here with Kevin Sanderson. Kevin, if you could just take a quick moment to explain a little bit about who you are and how you got started. Sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Kevin Sanderson. And uh, started selling on Amazon in early, I guess it, wasn't, it was early 2016. I got into private label, but I dabbled in private or private label in uh, retail arbitrage uh, for a few months before that. In 2015, um, I decided that retail arbitrage was not my, but I wanted to create my own product. And so uh, at the time I was a high school football official and I decided to take a season's worth of earnings, invest in my first product. And that was fall of 2015, going into 2016, launched 2016, left my job in 2000, almost 19, the end of 2018. And, um, from there, I have been both selling on Amazon and also helping people do things to sell and grow. On awesome. You know, I didn't realize that you started in 2015, late 2015. That's actually the exact same time that I started. Okay. Uh, and what's crazy is I was able to also replace my income around the 2019 timeframe. Yeah. Um, but I physically could not quit my job because I was still in the military. Right. You, you, had, yeah. you had a contract and they probably would have thrown you in jail. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Why isn't he at work today? You had a pretty important job. So. Yeah. 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 We'll save that for another episode. Okay. Um, uh, I just want to tell the audience. Uh, so I met Kevin, I think, you know, like maybe I think it was 20, 2018. I, I forget when I, I met you specifically. It was, you were selling a course on how to expand to Canada. Um, and oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's how I found you because, you know, you were hopping on uh, different podcasts and you were kind of running the circuit. And I was like, okay, I, I'm making money now and I want to kind of like exp create more of a brand moat. You know, I feel like my next best step is to make moves into another country. So that's how I found you. And ever since I've heard about you, I've always kind of kept you in the back of my mind because you're someone that I reached out to when my business first started getting successful. And so that's one thing that I, I definitely remember. The second thing I remember is how you kind of, while also being an operator, were able to kind of stand up a whole nother vertical uh, to create income or create brand awareness and, and mm -hmm. kind of push what you want moving forward. So if you could, could you explain a little bit about what maximizing e-commerce is and kind of how you structure what we could say like that business model for, for what you're doing there. Sure. So, um, yeah, so just like, you know, people sometimes have the, uh, question of like, Hey, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up in full transparency. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. Um, but with maximizing e-commerce, I always had in the back of my mind, I wanted to help people with this because I grew up very traditional mom was a teacher dad had a master's degree in art and you know you in order to move ahead in the world you 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 go to college and you work for a big company and so what would have been aspirational for my parents was for me to you know go work at a big company and uh, i Thought. That's what I wanted to do was to work my way up the corporate ladder, but eventually just kind of getting to a point where I was like, this is not my ladder to climb. Um, 
And so we can get more in the weeds on that one, but just to kind of more answer your question, I guess I'm looking back at it is me from several years ago who was trying to figure all this out, listening to a bunch of different podcasts and whatnot. I think I'm still trying to help that person and still trying to figure out like, um, how do I serve all of the me's, so to speak, who are in corporate America or they're trying to figure out how do I get out of the military from, you know, you know, whatever it is that they were doing being you, um, how do I help that person who's trying to make the leap? Because I've had so many people over the years come to me like, Oh, that sounds so interesting, but not everyone is willing to take that leap and get in the arena. It's once people are kind of in the arena, I I don't want to convince them to go in the arena, but like when they're there, it can be scary. And I want to help people figure out when you're in the arena, that old Teddy Roosevelt quote of, you know, the man in the arena, which could be a woman too, of, how how do I help that person in the arena whose face is marred and scarred, you know, but they're willing to risk it for victory? Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, I wasn't expecting to go down that path, but it merely makes me think about how I feel like just be, becoming an entrepreneur for, I would imagine for most people is very counterproductive to the idea that our parents have about what success looks like and how much we have to kind of deconstruct that and push through to find, you know, maybe our truest version of ourselves or, or following our passion and what we feel like is our intuition and what direction we want to go in in our life. So uh, I think that's a very interesting point that you bring up. And then on, on top of that, supporting people who are currently going through that process. Um, and, and when I think about maximizing e-commerce, if it, anyone doesn't know what it is, maximizing e-commerce, at least from my perspective, how I see it, is you're able to bring on people from all over the industry and kind of, it seems to me, and please tell me if I have it wrong or if you can update the business model or, or how it is afterwards, but you kind of, you interview people across a specific industry, which to me seems like Amazon FBA, and you kind of interview people, you're able to kind of expand on their network, capitalize on their network. It becomes like a little bit of a cross promotion, co-content creation, kind of similar to what we're doing now. We're, I, you interviewed me on your part podcast. I'm interviewing you on which your is a great podcast. episode, by the way. Yes, a great episode. Please check that one out. Um, and so we have like this kind of co-content creation, and then from there, it looks like scaling that up looks like okay. What you're doing specifically is it looks like every quarter, every so often, you kind of hold these like virtual summits, mm-hmm. and then you kind of bring in some of the top speakers, maybe probably a mix of people who sponsor the event to try and monetize it a mix of um, people who bring absolute value, probably a mix of people who have different audiences and try and build that up and kind of run that over and over and try and scale that out. Is that kind of what, from a business perspective, what you're trying to do with Maximize e-commerce? Could you expand on on that and maybe provide tips on someone who who doesn't know what they want to do in an industry, right? Like let's say they they're like in the pet industry what advice would you give them if they want to do something similar? Okay, great question. And so let's go back in time a little bit. And so I think some of it is just starting with what what are your strengths and what do you what can you offer? Like, you know, uh, what, what's the old saying? You can have anything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. And so, you know, 
if going back to my earlier statement of, you know, wanting to help the people who are trying to figure this all out. And once you're in the arena, you realize you never quite figure out the arena and the people you think you have, have it all figured out are still figuring it out themselves. And so it's kind of a perpetual, once you're in there kind of helping the people that are in the arena, you're all, there's always a market for people trying to figure it out because everyone's still trying to figure it out because it's constantly changing and it's dynamic and there's a lot going on there. Going back in time, I knew I wanted to serve those people. So we've talked about kind of what, who I wanted to serve, but you have to have some vehicle to serve people, I guess would be the way to look at it. And I was, before I even got into e-commerce, I thought I wanted to help people in general. And I remember when I was, uh, I had been laid off from my job in corporate America, working at a hotel company, doing conventions. And so I was at a variety of uh, jobs, managing and planning conferences at a large convention hotel, and then left there. And I was helping a friend of mine who uh, had an insurance agency and they needed someone to help with training and recruiting of agents and you know some of the partnerships that they had with making all that happen. And so I remember one time, at the time I was living in Orlando and I was working where I live now, which is about two and a half hours away and spending a lot of time listening to podcasts. And I don't know if you know who Pat Flynn is of Smart Passive Income. Yeah. Um, he, for, I think there's a generation of people that are in the online space. Yeah. That, it's, it's like him and Tim Ferriss, huh? Oh yeah, him and Tim Ferriss are definitely up there for a lot of people. And um, Pat amazing guy and helps make you feel like, okay, this is something you could do and makes it seem respectable too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember he was interviewing someone who I think they were talking about like this person created like a six figure business, um, magic the gathering, magic, the gathering being some sort of like, uh, hard game, role-playing RPG game. I remember thinking to myself, I wish I had something interesting that people would be willing to pay for. I, I literally was saying that. And book, Acres of Diamonds, if anyone's ever read that, where it's like there's the guy sold the land to go looking for diamonds elsewhere when he had all the diamonds were actually in his backyard. He was just looking in the wrong place. And that's paraphrasing the book. But it's kind of like at the time, I didn't realize like I had background. I had, it was learning training and recruiting of how to take complex things and help make them simple and help partner with people. And also looking at it from in corporate America, things can be very competitive, meaning somewhat of a, I hate to use the word pyramid scheme because that's not what I'm trying right. to say. But like, right. Right. if you're trying to move up, as you move up, there's fewer and fewer positions to move up to. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, corporate America is looking to flatten. And so there becomes less and less things for you to move into. And so it can oftentimes be, a, even if everyone's nice to each other and they like each other, it's still, there's a competition where if people want to move up, you're, you're competing with the people around you and the people around you are only better as you move up. Mm -hmm. um, and so it can be very competitive, whereas you get 
entrepreneurial space and everyone's trying to figure it out. So it can be, end up actually being a lot more collaborative, even if the people are your direct competition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, like it, it makes you think of more of like, that, like, hey, we're, even though we're in competition, there's like, I would imagine at least the way I feel as, a, as an entrepreneur, like we inherently feel or maybe programmed to believe on another podcast or whatever that it's like, you know, you can't do it alone and being more collaborative has a more positive net, like network externality effect than being in corporate America where it's like, it's either this person gets the job or doesn't. I feel like most entrepreneurs realize like, hey, the pie is big enough for, for me too. Um, and I think that's maybe like a, a core difference between someone who chooses to be an entrepreneur versus someone who kind of chooses to, you know, kind of stay in their job and be in that, that type of environment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when you are an entrepreneur, it's, you know, how do you find what you do well and what you enjoy and what people are also going to be willing to pay for, of course, too. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be the best at understanding how a three-hole punch works, but, you know, if you're just selling courses on how three-hole punch, which is just something I found on my desk. Maybe, maybe the product will sell, but like, you know, teaching people about that, it's not monetizable. Um, maybe it is, but um, Listen, from my perspective, yeah. it's probably not. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, going back to like, you know, events and helping people figure out international became uh, a vehicle to help people because it was something I could figure out. Like I sold internationally in my own business and people were coming to me with questions and with events. I'm like, I, I, I know how to put the pieces together. Right. Um, and, and kind of focus on what really matters. Right. Um, yeah. To make it yeah. happen. And, and, and I would say like us kind of starting around the same time, I would imagine, you know, at least selling on Amazon, being an Amazon seller, that's more than like, one or two years old in the game, I feel like most people would regard that as as seasoned. So for mm-hmm. us to be in coming on what seven or eight years now, right? I feel like we definitely have our pulse on how this industry has evolved over time. So I really like personally that you took your strengths from your background and then molded it into something that you can build an income from, help other people, and then enjoy the process along the way. And mm-hmm. that makes me think about like anyone else who could be listening, regardless of whatever they're doing and you know whatever path they're following. Um, we always, I think, I would encourage them to try and look at like, hey, what are your strengths? Because even if you're doing the same thing as someone else, they're not they don't come from the same background. They weren't raised the same way with the same beliefs. You know, we all have our different strengths and weaknesses. Where can you find your strengths, and how can you pro- how can you provide a unique solution to the industry you're currently in? Uh, to help other people. And when you help other people, you will naturally grow uh, towards your goals and, and achieve like kind of like the life that you're, you're looking to. So one, I, I really respect what you're doing in that aspect and for having done it for so long because I've been following the space for so long and I've seen a lot of people kind of come and go, come and go. in the yeah. space, right? And you, the moment you started, which is the moment I saw you on the first podcast, I mean, you've been there the whole way. I've seen so many channels rise and fall, so many influencers come and go, so many coaches come and go, so many like um, service providers come and go, blow up overnight. But the consistency of, of what you're doing, I find extremely powerful and I would imagine has really 
uh, second or third order effects when it comes to networking, which makes me think of right now what we were talking about offline right before we got on this podcast. Uh, if you could maybe explain uh, the notification that you had just received by posting something on social media uh, and the awareness that has come while already having that audience in place. Oh, got it. Yeah. And some of it is you never know what's going to, what opportunities present themselves. And I had posted not necessarily in a negative light, um, but it is a kind of a negative situation for a lot of sellers on Amazon as we're recording this last week. Amazon drastically cut a lot of people's um, restock quantities. So mine went from about 15,000 units to 3,700. So that's about a 75% decrease. And I just, I happened to, which I can explain more why, I had screenshots of both, you know, from one week to the other and posted on LinkedIn. Somebody reached out to me and said, hey, a reporter for XYZ outlet, um, which Big outlet, big outlet. A pretty big outlet is is uh, looking for uh, an Amazon seller. Now, at the time of recording this, I don't know. I have the the contact for this reporter that might be looking for someone. So I've had situations like this come up before, and a lot of times they really just go nowhere. But like a lot of things in the entrepreneurial space, you put something out there, sometimes there's a boomerang effect. Sometimes boomerang effects is the boomerang just falls mm. and nothing happens. Other times it comes back, you know, in a good way or other times, Hey, it looks like it's going to come back and nothing really happened. You never know until, you know, and I wasn't looking to get anything like that, right. but you know, one of the things back to what you were saying before, a lot of times people kind of come and go is, uh, I think some people make too big of promises. I, I won't say names, but somebody who, uh, pretty, had developed a pretty big following in the space, reached out to me fairly recently, and they're kind of changing some of their business model. Um, but this person, you know, I think, you know, they had all the awards for like funnel awards. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that yeah. type of awards. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Um, but, you know, I think maybe this person over time had over promised things. It's one thing to say, hey, you know, let's teach you how to get more sales. But another thing, like if you really, if you go after too hard of like, you know, if you do this, you're going to have great results. And it doesn't seem as, what was the word I'm looking for? Not organic, but like, it doesn't seem like, okay, we're trying to help you understand the big picture and, you know, how all these pieces come together. But it seems more like a, promise of you sign up for X, you will get Y. Right. And um, it, there's not a clear enough distinction of we never know what could happen when you go to X and what's really going to happen with Y. Right. I think sometimes people make too hard of a distinction of, you know, it's kind of puffery of, you know, this is the revolutionary idea that makes business better. Just do this. And Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's an overpromise, oh, and yeah. sometimes people do things where it just becomes a what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they uh, things change, mm -hmm. and so they were all well known for something that was I don't want to use the phrase gimmick, mm -hmm. but like a tactic or a hack right. that as soon as a terms of service or 
an algorithm changes and all of a sudden what they were teaching is no longer the case. And that's right. not even the case of even the person I was just referring to. But these things sometimes happen in this world. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It makes me think of like, we always want to make sure we're building our business and our lifestyle on something that is solid and, and foundational, which is why for me personally, I'm really trying to build up my personal brand over the next few years. And I'm trying to build it up from someone who's specifically like, I love Amazon FBA, but I don't want to be the Amazon FBA guy. I don't want to be the Amazon FBA guy who knows how to get reviews doing like some type of way. Because like you said, like it, that kind of stuff can can fall apart overnight with a terms of service change or a macro change over a couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think kind of what you're talking about, like being transparent, not having these like clickbait titles. Obviously, it's great to have like, you know, do this one thing and, and get seven figures, but creating a course around that and a business around that, I feel like you're building your business on sand uh, and it's, it can kind of be dishonest and people will have a, you could get a good following from that, but your following could fall apart. Your business could fall apart in the next day because you didn't operate from, in my opinion, from a place of honesty and a place of, right. that's, that's what I think, right? When you talk about over-promising, to me, that, that makes me think of someone who wasn't truly honest to begin with. Um, so th those are things I, I'm thinking about like right off the bat. Uh, I, I did want to quickly touch about, um, you talked about working in corporate and kind of bringing that, bringing that over and how like things have kind of changed. When I had sold my business, oh, there you go. <laughs> when I had sold my business, I, um, I got reached out by a couple of pretty big influence in the influencers on YouTube uh, across different social media channels that were that I kind of known a little bit before and they were DMing me and be like, hey, are you actually really making this money? Are you like, why would you consider selling your business? It, it, like the questions were more geared around like, hey, are you actually making it? Like, are you actually doing these things? And I was so flabbergasted because some of these people had such huge followings and I know they made a lot of money online selling other people, courses, you know, half-baked ideas. Um, and I, I kind of found that disingenuous. Um, and it's something kind of like you said, like over-promising and just operating from a place that maybe not is not that uh, genuine at the end of the day. And yeah, so that's all the things I'm just kind of telling you what's on my mind. Uh, but if we could kind of pivot next into how sure. this industry, let's maybe talk about Amazon and how the industry has changed over time. I feel like when you and I first started, the information that was out there was very like, hey, you want information on how to rank? Go ahead and buy this $5,000 course. I feel like there are only like right. less courses out there, right? So when you came on the scene, and you started interviewing people, it's like you were, in my opinion, you were first, you were first to market in a major way because you, you started these podcast interviews. I feel like you really started collecting this network and then your really heavy presence, in my opinion, podcasts and LinkedIn is where I'm seeing most of, most of like your presence and then not, not giving up on that, I think is super key. And also that pivot between because you're able to do that and maintain it for so long, you're able to survive in this business environment that went from, hey, we, we charge $5,000 courses, it's more scrappy entrepreneurs till you look at where this industry is now, Amazon uh, e-commerce marketing, it's, it's starting to turn to a suits industry. Like I look on LinkedIn and everyone's mm. places, they're VC backed. Uh, mm. I would see people who are starting these huge businesses who have all the clientele. A lot of them, in my opinion, they're not... You're truly not sellers that started from the ground up. 
uh, for, from like an e-commerce like you know perspective um but you're still able to operate through all of that and i think that kind of rings true to to what you're doing um so i was just curious your, your thoughts on on that it's an interesting uh, observation and i was thinking about that so i um I was a speaker at Prosper this past March and uh, they had a exhibit hall. So not like, or not unlike, I should say, uh, similar to a lot of the uh, conferences that I worked with when I was in the convention space, Prosper, basically they have content for you to see. So there's sessions you can go to, but then there's an exhibit hall. And so I'm assuming their business model is similar to a lot of these where they're selling exhibit hall space and they want, you know, people to come, you know, attendees to come. So they have an audience essentially for their exhibitors. Mm -hmm. And that's how a lot of trade shows operate. And so, you know, they have, you know, all these different, you know, sessions you can go to and all these different speakers. Now, one thing I used to learn about, uh, because there's probably a trade association, which Prosper is not technically a trade association, but it operates kind of like a trade association um, where there's a trade show with a trade association for almost anything you can think of. Like I remember when I was in the conference business, there was a trade association for uh, uh, companies that spooled wire for high intensity lines. Like literally anything you can think of, whether it's chemistry, um, if it's you know, tires, if it's uh, pick, pick anything that you might not even think is an industry, there there is a trade association for it. And sometimes the uh, how much money there is, you know, and how mom and pop that industry is, you know, um, versus how much uh, how, how much corporate it is mm -hmm. uh, can make a big difference on what the booths look like. So in, in an exhibit hall floor, it's generally a 10 by 10 space and is you know, it, the map is made up of 10 by 10 spaces where there's 10 by 10 against each other. So you could have a 20 by 20, which is really four booths. So a 10 by 10, a 10 by 10, a 10 by 10, a 10 by 10. So um, there was a lot of, let's say, 20 by 20 and 20 by 40 and bigger booths at Prosper. And when it's also the amount of money going into, it's not just a table with like, you know, a, a sign behind it that, you know, they're putting a lot into it that didn't feel as mom and pop as I had expected and seen pictures in the past. And so um, it's, not a bad thing. It's it's one of those things that I think this industry is maturing is really what it is. And so it comes down to understanding where the market is and who who's around you. And there's still people thriving in the mom and pop, you know, both the service providers or sellers or both. Um, but just understanding the needs of both. And so with my events, I think I've done pretty well because I've been able to service both. And, you know, I see the the names of who's 
who's buying tickets and right, what right. email addresses they have. Yeah. So I see, uh, you know, it's serving both audiences and, you know, it's people that are sponsors, you know, some of them are more mom and pop type companies. Some of them are bigger companies that are in, you know, certain areas. Yeah. I, I think it's, it sounds like it gives you, and I would inherently feel it gives you a really good pulse on what's happening in the industry. So if you could maybe kind of putting you on the spot here, where do you sure. think, you know, the Amazon e-commerce industry is kind of moving now that you're in touch with so many service providers, you're in touch with, you know, different influencers in the space you've been in the space for such a long time where, where do you see like the competition where do you see the industry where do you see the service provider network moving do you have any like you know forward projections or, or estimates of where you think it's going so one of the things i think and and i try to state this in my um my events like hey you don't have to feel like you have to do everything and so sometimes i feel like i want to make sure i'm not perpetuating like Hey, here's all the things you could do. And maybe it's all the things you, all these things you could do, but that doesn't mean do all of them. Mm -hmm. Figure out what's going to make the most sense for you and for your business. There is a lot more stuff being made available to us, more reports, more tools. And that's great because we've been complaining for years. We don't have enough information. Um, but I kind of had an epiphany. So oddly enough, in my, my last event, I, there was a gentleman, um, he, Oddly enough, lives in my neighborhood. It was just, we were actually introduced by one of the sponsors. And he's like, hey, you live in the same town as this guy? I'm like, ah, you mean another town? Because there's I live in a town called Palm City. And there's a lot of cities with the name Palm in it in Florida. So I was like, ah, there's no way it's the same guy. He's actually my neighbor. And he oh. works with, <laughs> like, literally, he like uh, a few blocks down the street. <laughs> um, yeah, in the same neighborhood. And he ended up being a speaker at my event and he uh, helps businesses of all size. And so he sees it, you know, smaller sellers as well as with big companies. And as he's talking and kind of a little bit of an epiphany, uh, there's more big companies moving in. And that doesn't mean that like it's bad for sellers, but that also means if you're a business owner, what are you always taught? The 80, 20 rule, right? Yeah. Amazon is a business. And if you're looking to grow ads, sponsored products, you can probably do things to create more like inventory, like how many more spots on page one can they add for, mm -hmm. or how many more carousels can they add on the, the product page? They've kind of gotten to like, you know, they're playing in the margins with little things they could do. Some of these bigger companies still don't think in terms of how we do of like direct response of, you know, I bid on a keyword and I want to see what my sales are. So a lot of companies, big companies still think in terms of billboards and TV ads and things that are more about consideration and getting name recognition. Like if you think about the show Mad Men, you know, the... It was the night it took place in the 1960s, advertising executives, you know, trying to help just big companies get out to a mass audience. Amazon is serving all levels of different audiences. I think they genuinely, even though we all get frustrated with things Amazon does, I think they genuinely are still helping small sellers. Mm -hmm. um, but they're also, for them, one of their biggest growth opportunities, I believe, is big companies. And the big companies are willing to invest a lot of money and things that aren't as much about 
direct return on, I you know buy this keyword and I get this amount of sales as a percentage. They're willing to go higher up in the funnel. Higher up in the funnel is a little muddier. Um, and if you're yeah. a smaller seller, it's harder to justify the top of the funnel, but yeah. that is a growth opportunity. So I think a lot of things we're seeing are more top of funnel. And just because you can go higher up the funnel doesn't necessarily mean you need to. You know, if you're Coca-Cola, it's probably worth your while to go higher up the funnel on Amazon. If you're, you know, selling private label three hole punches, yeah. <laughs> you probably don't need to go higher up the funnel. Right. Yeah. I I love that that insight. Um, and I think that's kind of reflected too. If you just look at Amazon PPC, how much how much they've worked the top of the funnel with their DSP ads. You know, how how much further you can reach with your ads now mm -hmm. than you could just a year or two ago. And my opinion is more in unison with that old school media buying. You know, how how far can we can we get put, you know, in Whole Foods? Can we get put on all the Kindles everywhere? Like yes. where can we do more of this demand demand side platform advertising? So I definitely I definitely could agree and and we'll be thinking about that insight in terms of you know, this is where the big brands are moving. And it makes me think too, for maybe other smaller sellers who are listening, who feel like they have to be at the bottom of the funnel. Obviously, like you want to, when you're on a tight budget, you want to be where you're at the closest point of conversion. So like, yes. opinion, that's like listing optimization, having a good product that people want and care about, that's differentiated. But after you do that and you have a pretty good PPC campaign, I personally wouldn't spend too much money on these massive top of funnel heavy expense keyword like uh, advertising strategies i would go scrappy entrepreneur mm -hmm. reach out to micro influencer does a google search result on their main keyword uh, there's a youtube search result on their main keyword talks to that youtube influencer like really takes the 30 40 minutes it takes to craft like a solid intro to really grab their attention um when I was consulting for a big aggregator, like a really big aggregator about a year and a half ago, I was managing one of their really big brands. And I found it very interesting that a big portion of that brand actually relied on one influencer, um, just mm -hmm. one influencer. And they, the, brand, the brand was moving so fast. There's so many people like doing all kinds of things, but they never focused on, in my opinion, what was important. They never took it like from the scrappy entrepreneur standpoint. So I think it gives, other entrepreneurs, if you just kind of like the way that I thought about it, I, I heard about it on a podcast a long time ago, probably like literally 2015, 2016, when I was trying to learn how to take Amazon more seriously. They said, don't see this like something that you're doing off to the side on your, on your computer. See it like you're about to buy a McDonald's tomorrow. You're about to get a bunch of orders and you got to do everything. You got to, you got to process all the orders. You got to sweep the floors. You got to you got to do every, you got to do everything. And for me, that flipped the switch one and I went 80, 20, but then two, like after the 80, 20 was done, I didn't go and waste a bunch of money on, on paving the parking lot. You know, like I, I was really trying to like be scrappy about it. So I, I really like that, that intuition about realizing where the big brands are going and then reinforcing that, like, Hey, leverage your strengths, be a scrappy entrepreneur, um, operate close to the point of conversion and just be like, just be a little bit smarter because like you said, these big brands, I think they move really slow. Mm -hmm. They're really slow and they have such massive holes because they're so slow and they're coming from their older school marketing mentality uh, that you kind of talked about before. So uh, those are my thoughts there. Um, 
Yeah. And that's a good point of where is, you know, the point of conversion and your success as the business owner, the scrappy entrepreneur is different than the success of someone who is a marketing manager at a fortune 500 company. Mm -hmm. There it's all about perception and things yeah. that are going to make their boss happy, which oftentimes are about talking points yeah. and being able to say, Hey, look at what we did. Mm -hmm. Whereas you as the business owner are looking at how much money is coming into my bank. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 So we have, and, and they have more recent, at the end of the day, even a big company at the end of the day only has so much resources of time. They just have more resources of time and more people than you do. Whereas you as the business owner have to say, everything I decide to do, I'm saying no to something else. Mm. And so the salad bar of things that you could be doing, the buffet of you could do this has gotten a lot bigger yeah. and a lot sexier, yeah. but not everything is things that you should be putting on your plate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. I, I absolutely, yeah. I love the way that this turned out. Um, yeah. So with that, I kind of want to move more towards, towards wrapping up. Uh, there is a lot of content out there. One about th that you're putting out in the industry. If you're not even following or listening to this episode, because you're not interested in Amazon FBA, one thing I have been really trying to like look at with a new perspective over the last at least three, four years is I've always tried to find the business within the business. Um, mm -hmm. Because there's always a market within a market within a market. So I would challenge anyone who's interested at all about the things we talked about just to kind of follow Kevin and see how he does it. Like Gary Vee says, like, don't listen to what I do. Just follow me and watch. Because okay. you, can, you can start to see the structures build on top of each other. Like, oh, this person's doing this this way, right? This person's doing this. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to get a podcast up off the ground. So I've been kind of connecting with different people in the industry. And I'm like, okay, they're building their funnel this way and this way and this way. And it's just like, I think about how, how was I successful on Amazon FBA? Why I took one failed product launch, took my lessons there, my entire background, put that into the next product and the next product. And we can do that from a service-based industry. We can do that while still having one hand on the operating wheel and kind of building something off to the side. Uh, that, that you've done. And now you, you, I would imagine you have at least two solid business models, one e-commerce, but then two maximizing e-commerce in the platform you're building there. So I think absolutely inspiring, motivating. So anyone who is one interested in Amazon FBA, e-commerce, definitely check out his podcast, all the content he's pushing out, out there. And then two, if you are interested in, in seeing this, I would say like funnel, just follow and watch or, or watch other people in your industry or in or in a whole nother industry, right? If you're, you're following and you're listening to this because you follow me from some other place, okay, cool. But still follow someone outside of your industry because I've, at least for me too, I've, the mm -hmm. biggest plays that have come for me is pulling things from other industries that no that's one's doing. Point. No one's doing. And that's what you, in my opinion, that's what you did in this space and you never let up. Like never let up. And when I looked on LinkedIn, ain't nobody doing collaborations like you are, in my opinion. Like the, the amount of people that you're touching the sponsors you're touching across a wide base like no one in my opinion can keep up with that kind of authority right now in the industry and even if they did i would imagine they'll be gone in six months so i just my own we've been i've been following you for about seven years now personally so that's just my own honest opinion on that um so so with that kevin um how can people find you and uh do you have any like parting advice or uh, how, you know, how, how can people get in touch with you if, if interested? 
Yeah. So uh, this is a fun conversation. First off, if they're not subscribed to this podcast that they're listening to right now, they need to pause and go and subscribe to it because uh, this is an excellent conversation. You're a, a great interviewer. So they definitely need to make sure that they're subscribed to this podcast and they're following you on all the other channels as well. Um, and if they want to follow me, I, they can always, since this is a podcast, they might as well go either to YouTube, youtube.com forward slash maximizing e-commerce, all one word, no dashes. Um, or they could go to just on their favorite podcast app, look up maximizing e-commerce and follow me there on podcast platform. Yeah. Sounds great. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, Kevin. I uh, hope to have you back on in the future. Um, Love to. Yeah. Cool. Take care. Awesome. Thanks.